Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're here to discuss what else? Some Minnesota Vikings football. Now, obviously, you know, we're not coming off a Sunday game. Last Thursday was the last game. But it was a win. And especially this year, but just being a Vikings fan in general, a win is a win is a win, like the old saying says. And it's funny because a couple of weeks back we talked about how at some point we got all these tight games, right? At some point we're going to kick some team's ass, and at some point some team is going to kick the Vikings' ass. And two weeks ago, down 20-6, to six, had we been facing a very good team, probably would have got our ass kicked. Last week up 29-0, I'll say it again, 29, 2-9-0, should have been an ass kicking, right? But that didn't happen. So who really knows what goes on? They're all going to be tight. Just assume they're going to be tight, and that's what we're working with. But anyway, we will discuss the cookie monster, Delvin Cook, Returns from injury, he's got a harness that he wore a couple years ago, and he just breaks out one of the best games he's ever had in a Vikings uniform, going over 200 yards rushing. It kind of felt like later in that game, why, why are we going away from it? You know, why are we going away from it? The the Cousins to Jefferson connection um, wasn't quite connected, just a couple of plays, three, four plays that could have put the game away even before they came back. But, um, you know, the offensive line held up. Defense looked great for about 40 minutes. The whole team looked great for about 40 minutes. And then the Vikings showed up to play. The 2021 Vikings showed up and it tried to make it interesting. At least the defense finally held in a last two-minute game-winning or tying scenario. They went into the game 0 of 8 prior, so that's helpful. But anyway, we're going to break all this stuff down, do a little recap, talk a little stuff, preview the Chicago game at Chicago. It's not Sunday, it's Monday. I kind of forgot about that. Another primetime game. And then, you know, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know that we do a Gophers football segment to close, and there is some uh, some good news on that front, whether it's, you know, returning coaches, extending coaches, returning players, little recruiting. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But if this is your first time listening to the Purple People Eaters podcast, welcome. It's available in a variety of ways. It streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. But you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser. You can find the platform Rope Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, and a whole lot of other places as well. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And we also have um, a page on Spricker, Living in Loserville. On Spricker, Aaron opened that page well over a year ago. Of course, it's the same show in January, or, or maybe we should say February. Because, you know, the Vikings are going to get to the playoffs, right? Right. Anyway, we go in the Gophers, basketball, Timberwolves, all that good stuff. Aaron also has some other podcasts on there that you may enjoy. That's Living and Loser at Spricker. And one more thing before we get into the almost debacle. 
Um, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks within, uh, with no additional fees, which we're seeing more and more of. And if you go to the Premier package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime included. Direct TV stream. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Aaron. And seeing how he's doing, this is like a perfect three- or four-day run for Minnesota in December or any time, really. We have this big snowfall. Now the temperature's going back up. Um, by Wednesday, it might hit 50, but then rain and bring 60-mile-an-hour winds and maybe snow at the end of the night. So here we are. It's December. It's Minnesota. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's December. It's Minnesota, like you said. It's just... One thing after the other, we got a big snowstorm. What was that, Friday night, Saturday night, whatever it was, dumped a bunch on us, and then it was nice the next day and melted away, and we got a little bit more. So that's just the way it's going. But, you know, you were right about the 40 minutes of the who are these Vikings, you know, and then, we, you know, ultimately return to, oh, we know these guys. Oh, that's right. These are the Vikings. Yeah, man, that was uh... – it was interesting. I mean, that offensive line and Cook, you know, for quite some time was just churning out the yards um, right away, actually. Um, the combination, we went to Jefferson, like, right away, back-to-back um, throws. And uh, I think Cook had a nice little chunk run for 20 yards. Um, and we almost, this is the first of the almost Jefferson and Cousins' uh, connection that was just a little off. Um, it was in double team. It was in the end zone. And it was similar to the play last year where uh, Jefferson had the two guys beat and Cousins just put it right over the shoulder just in the nick of time. This one was a little bit more difficult because the, the safety still was kind of in front to the right, I think, the right of Jefferson. But it was just one of those things where it's just off a millimeter, and that would have been a touchdown. Uh, it was a fourth and three, and, and they decided to go for the field goal. Um, <laughs> and it was wide left, strong wide left, I may add. And, you know, Joseph had made, knock on wood, he had made um, 11 straight field goals on the low. Now, extra points, that's different. But I thought, huh, he made 11 straight field goals. I guess I didn't realize that. But, of course, he had to miss that one. Um, and it looked funky at the start on defense, too. Uh, we gave up a third and 19. Uh, well, actually, they got it to, like, fourth and four or something, and Big Ben on a keeper got it. But we were able to, you know, um, apply enough pressure to make the Steelers kick like a 44-yarder or something like that, and they missed. And that was 20 straight makes previously for their kickers. So I was like, okay, wait a second. Maybe things can, you know, go really good here. And then Cook busts off this 30-yard run. Uh, Jefferson got a touchdown, five plays, somewhat, you know, it's like a crossing route, somewhat quick strike. It's 6-0, to zero, and we miss 
really bad, even worse. <laughs> we missed an extra point. I was like, okay, wow. Um, Steelers had that fumble, near fumble, uh, so they had to, you know, they had to punt. And DD had that nice return, put us in range. Um, JJ coming out really strong. Another break, uh, probably twenty some odd run from from Cook. And there, here's another connection where this would have been a touchdown because he was crossing into the end zone, Jefferson. Cousins got hit right before it. He kind of had to just get rid of it, and it was a little in front. So they had to settle for 9-0. and Watts got a sack. Like, a lot – first down runs, Cook was just churning them. I mean, things were looking good. We, it was 16-0 after a 12-play drive that lasted over five minutes. Then it was a three and out. Then Harry got a sack. I mean, there was a run there where defensively, after it was six zip, three and out, three and out, three and out, five and out to start the second quarter or second half, three and out, then a three and out with a pick. So it was like, wow, these, I mean, we're getting pressure from a variety. Kendrick Scott is, I think, fifth or sixth sack. I think that's the most sacks he's had in it. In, in one year, I believe. Watts got a sack. Like, Watts did the little uh, griff dance, too, after his sack. So things were looking up, dude. And we're just piling on the points. And it's 23 to 0 at half. And, you know, at half, it's these numbers are just mind-boggling. You know, you had, you know, an advantage of right basically 23 to 0 at half. 167 air into 29 rushing, 124 through the air for 14. Um, had a lot of penalties, but it really didn't matter. It was just a 15 to 4 on um, first downs, just a dominant force through the first half. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you didn't give up the obligatory uh, touchdown in the last two minutes. Uh, it's a lot of firsts, man. Cook was just running like crazy. Um, the line seemed to gel to some degree. And, you know, I was really a, a bit, uh, skeptical because, you know, they, did, I was thinking they'd have TJ Watt. That's the Steelers and he was on the sideline. So it wasn't like they were dealing with the best pass rush, but still they don't have to have great pass rushers against this line. Just somebody who can push the middle and they were just getting the job done. Jefferson was catching balls and. You know, things seemed to be working in the right direction. They weren't giving up points, like you said, a ton of three and outs and stopping the run. And what you wanted to see all year, basically, in that half and kind of came together. And you're just like, well, okay, where's this been? And, you know, maybe the Steelers are a bit depleted, but, you know, we'll take it. Yeah, and, you know, they had a, what were there, six, six, six and one or six, five and one going in. So they had a winning record. So, you know, we'll take it. But 153 yards in the first half, that was a, the previous record was held by Adrian Peterson. So Cook did, you know, that. In fact, seven, yeah, at half, most in a half in the NFL, just in general, 17 rushes, a buck 67, something like that. And two tut, like Cook, which I just couldn't believe it, dude. And here's that Harrison Smith after that sack, uh, the, this is PR from the Vikings. He upped his career sacks to 16 and a half and ties his single season career high of three since 2012. Smith ranks second in the NFL in defensive back sacks. And then Watts 
got his sixth sack uh, of the season. And since week six, he, you know, he's tied for fourth with the, the primary defensive interior lineman. So Watts, man, you know, we saw him come on last year a little bit, and he really developed. But to have Pierce and Tomlinson back, just to get Pierce. Thomas was, was only out for like a week, but to have Pierce back, he hasn't played since Cleveland or something like that. To get Pierce, Tomlinson, Kendricks, and Barr all back, it did make me feel a little bit more comfortable heading in. And, and you know, we'll get to the preview and everything like that, but – it's hard to gel on defense, Aaron, when we've just missed so many damn guys. And like I said, to get those four guys back, I did kind of feel better about it, especially for the first 40 minutes. Yeah, and then, you know, get Peterson back as well. Um, that helped. helped a lot. Uh, a little more rotation in the corners. And, you know, Kendricks and Barr is always to have those two together. Helps out a lot. And then, you know, like you said, with Pierce and Tomlinson having them together. Now, you know, maybe that's another re-gel, so to speak, that has to happen here is you get these bodies back and now you have to kind of get them playing together again and, you know, getting continuity going on defense again. A little late in the season to be trying to developing that. But like you said, the injury bug has hit us pretty hard. Uh, if it's not this, it's something else. And, it's, you know, it's just been kind of like that all year. And it'd be nice that, you know, coming down the stretch here where you need to find some wins and uh, get some confidence going on defense, it'd be nice if those guys could, you know, come together and, and, and play up to kind of where they were before everybody started going down. I know that we won't get Hunter back. That's a problem. But, you know, we've got some defense events here. I think, you know, Jones played well. Wilkes is getting better. At least he's not giving up a lot. So I think you have some potential defensively. You just got to keep guys healthy, really. I mean, that's it, and, and get guys on the same page. And I think, you know, that'll shore it up a little bit enough because offense seems to be able to score some points here. Yeah, you're right. And both those guys you mentioned made really good plays in the run on the edge, stopping a run. Jones really showed his athleticism uh, in that. But both of them were making plays. That's a good call. And – uh you know, trouble started leaking in, um, you know, very minorly <laughs> um, in the first. And it came in the form of not finishing drives. Uh, there was two – there was a – you know, it, actually another three and out, like I mentioned. Then, like, a, a failed Jefferson screen. Um, it just kind of – like, Cook almost freaking broke a long run in that one. Um but it just that first okay, you get the ball back off a of three and out, and you do at least get points. It's twenty six to zero. Okay, cool. Then Breland had a great INT because he can only make great INTs, as we know. Um, but then you know, once again, Cook almost brought like shoelace, you know, shoestring type of, of tackle from somebody. But you could kind of see the pressure was kicking in now from Pittsburgh on defense. Um, but this was a key part. Now, you could say Osborne. I think it was on a third down Osborne. You know, they missed a call there or whatever. But I think missing Thielen in the red zone started to be pretty evident. Hopefully we get him back. He's still got a week to heal, uh, if you think about it, until next Monday. But it's 
and it is two field goals. But when you got a short field, just one touchdown instead of a field goal might have done the trick. You know, you're looking at 33 to zero at that point. Um, and, and the way the game worked out, you know, it, it ended up kind of like in a weird way faltering that you didn't get one of those touchdowns. And then they started to, you know, I mean, you got a pick in a short field, like I mentioned. Then they started to kind of put some drives together. And um, they had a 10-play drive, 75 yards, um, four minute. And then there was a pick. And, and just kind of the defense is to blame some of this in the second half. We had two turnovers, so we did give them a short field at one of oh, on both of them, I think. And so that, that plays into it, too. We can't just get down on the defense that much. But when they score three touchdowns in five minutes and you're looking at, like, a 29-20 to, to 20 scenario, you're thinking, oh, boy, here we freaking go again, man. But um, the Cousins, let's just talk about both the picks. Cousins to Jefferson, it's kind of – it was a difficult throw because it had to be in there tight. And the – I think it was either the linebacker or the corner tipped it. So a lot of people were saying, well, Jefferson got two hands on it. That is true. But it made it a lot more difficult of a catch when it tips, a, you know, a millisecond before you're about to catch it. And that's what I mean on these connections. It was just just barely short. So I really – some people were like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. I don't know, dude. The dude tipped it. It went in the air. It is what it is. Um, but they did, you know, they did – score right away, you know, 29 to 14. Then we had to, uh, then we had, you know, a, a three and out ourselves. And then it's 29, 20, like I mentioned. And at that point, oh boy, I'm like, okay, dude, it's, it's, it, we're right here now. You know what I mean? This is, this is going to be tough, but I did like how right in that scenario, you know, to come back and, and you know, at that frame to come back in a, in a quick strike, 62-yard throw to Osborne. And, you know, there was also, right after that, a three and out. So here we are, Aaron, 36 to 20, like probably 10 minutes left, nine minutes left. And you're thinking, we got the ball even. We, we, got, we just scored a touchdown. We got the ball. The game's over. We, we, we got this now. That wasn't the case, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think the game's over. You kind of just squelched their little comeback drive with that uh, great catch by Osborne. And uh, no flags on that, which was, I thought, a little surprising. I thought one would be thrown one way or the other. But uh, you didn't get any flags, and it was just a nice, clean uh, go-ahead. So then you basically think you're going to eat the clock, right? I mean, that's it. You kind of put it back to, what, two, two and a half scores? Like you can probably sit on that as long as you can run the football and Cook had proven to you earlier in the game that he was able to do that. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't meant to be that way because things started going a little bit more downhill. Now, did the Vikings, you know, give up? I don't know about that. I just think, you know, momentum was shifting and things were happening and, you know, Breland felt like giving up some stuff. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what happens. And, Friermuth gets in the end zone, you know, just jukes uh, our boy Breland out to the corner of the end zone and just had him spinning. Yep. And, you know, next thing you know, they get another touchdown. Now you're back to a nine-point game. The Steelers are full of life. And, 
You know, it's like, okay, well, now we got to hold on here till the end. And, I mean, we really just held on to the very end. Yeah, dude, like, I don't know if it's three minutes left of the third or whatever, but we had held, the Vikings had held them to 40 yard, under 40 yards rushing. And I remember it was 12 of 17 for 100 yards uh, passing. And you're like, wow, what a great performance. This is phenomenal. And then, yeah, it got, it got a little shifty. And I remember there's a scramble, I believe, on a third down, like an 11-yard scramble that got a first down. I think it was Cousins that scrambled. It was like, and that was like another first down. Okay, here we are, third and four, and there's a screen pass. And there's a lot of trust involved. And Osborne, you know, he even said it, like, you know, I, I just didn't get the inside where I need to be. There was a little bit of a stumble. He didn't necessarily win right away. But next thing you know, it's a pick. So we're up, you know, feeling comfortable. Well, you don't ever feel totally comfortable with this. But we're up. It's a pick and a return. So it wasn't just a pick. It was a long-ass return. They cashed it in, like you said. Um, And then I think we had, like, a nice pickup on third and eight. But we just weren't able to get another first down. And – there was probably a play there that we got maybe a little too conservative. Um, you know, and, and like you said, we probably should have, even that last drive, probably should have been running the ball, maybe trying to go for a field goal and just burn burn clock, but we didn't. And um, next thing you know, you know, it's a long, you know, here we go again, 12-play drive, 84 yards, <laughs> 2 minutes and 16 seconds. And we know, like you said, how the defense does in these scenarios so far. They were 0 for 8 uh, heading in. And what was going through your mind? Were you just like, all right, dude, it's overtime. I'm just going to put it in my head. It's overtime. I think it was, you know, they were going, we were up 8. So it would have been, you know, they would have needed a two-point conversion. But, uh, you know, you got to feel if they get all the way down the field 84 yards, that it's almost like a – you know, a done deal that they'll get the two-point conversion. And, you know, there gets to a point where you just see this defense give up, you know, the entire length of the field in under three minutes throughout the season so many times, whether it's the end of the half or the end of the game, that you're just like, I don't know what the calls are. We Are we, you know, are we back in prevent? Are we not rushing? What's going on here? But it just seems to end, seems to happen constantly. And, so at this point, I'm thinking 84 yards, two minutes, that's nothing. They can do that, and that's exactly what they did. They just kind of short passing and uh, screen passes to the Alabama kid, Harris, and they just kind of you know, matriculated their way down the field and ended up, you know, what was it, three seconds left or something like that. Yeah, it was three seconds, and they're, I think they were probably at the six or seven-yard line. and You know, a great pass by Roethlisberger just – you know, Harry got in there just at the last second and knocked that ball out. Otherwise, mm. you're looking at a touchdown there. I mean, that was a great pass by Roethlisberger. Fryermuth had it in his hands. He was just trying to tuck it away. And, you know, Harrison Smith said, no, not today. And, you know, even Barr was surprised. He thought they gave it up in the end zone. Everybody thought they <laughs> yeah, gave it up. That. And just luckily, the ball hit the ground. And, you know, that's the thing with it. It's like, if you know, last year we talked a little bit, Chris, about you know, Russell Wilson kind of ate us up at the end of the game, but I don't can't remember a, a season or even a team that would just consistently give up these long drives 
especially when it's, you know, pressure time and you're at home and the, the crowd's definitely going and they just keep giving it up. And I'm just wondering if there's something that, you know, that some tell or some giveaway that other teams have figured out that we just haven't figured it out because they just continue to do it time and time again. There's got to be something there. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, injuries have hurt the defense, but you're right because it, it was happening early when uh, when we had, when we were full strength. I mean, Hunter looked to be right back where he was two years ago. You know, a couple of games in, it was like, ah, oh, that's the Hunter. Yeah, okay, and Pierce is pushing back and, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy, and it's funny because going into this last week, you're first in sacks. You're, um, like, fourth in pressures. So you're, you're, you're definitely – we've talked about this. This defense is better than it was last year because we actually get pressure still. But then you're 32nd going in on rush a lot, or rushing yards allowed per game. Um, total yards, you know, 30th. And rushing TDs, which is always a sign of like, oh, they're going to beat you down now. They're 30th going in. So, it, the, the, you know, like we were talking about last week, it, it does suck. If this is Zimmer's last year, it does suck that these last two years he hasn't gotten a full – you're going to have injuries. But he hasn't gotten a full shot to prove uh, that he's still a good defensive coach. You can see it. You know, the third down is getting better now. Um He's had to make shift. We got more depth this year on the defensive end. I think that on the defensive line, that's actually where that's why I think they're a little bit better. But yeah, overall, I don't I don't know what it is beyond the injuries. It's just, it's just but yeah, now they're one of nine, so they were zero for eight in that scenario, and it's really frustrating. On the flip side, we have about seven drives that either game tying or game winning, seven or eight too. So it's like, damn. You know, we, we our offense is doing it, but our defense isn't. But going back to Cookie Monster, 222 overall. Peterson, of course, that 2007 game, we're talking about yards from scrimmage, 315. Uh, Foreman, 265, 1976. Anthony Carter, of course, AC in San Francisco on the road, 257 in 1987. Our guy Darren Nelson, 256. 83, but 252 and 226 last year uh, from Cookie, but 222 overall. So he's got three of the top ten most yards from scrimmage. And then our guy, sure, he didn't go for a buck 80, but now when you start to look at Jefferson here, in the first two seasons, okay, Super Bowl era, Beckham had 2,755. Our guy Randy had 2,726 and 2,688. Rice is right, like maybe 70 yards behind Jefferson through two seasons. And, you know, as we know, this season's not over, right? So um, he's now, what was it, 68 yards? 68 yards from having the most yards uh, through your first two years in the league. And when you look at just – Receptions. There's a stat that came out since since he entered the league. 68 receptions, gaining 15 plus yards. No other uh, wide receiver has more than 56, and he has 68. Third down. We went over those stats last week. I mean, it's it's just a joy. This this trade couldn't have worked better. And you know, it's coming from a podcast that both of us like Diggs. So this isn't coming on some. Yeah, look at we got. It's not anything like that. Um, 
But yeah, man, it it's, it was just nice to see, like you said, the ball drop down to the end zone. Any uh, other items that you'd like to discuss when it comes to this this Vikings like random win that we ended up getting? It should have been a blowout, sir. No, I mean, it's just one of those things where we look back at the game and you're like, well, I don't think anybody believed that 29 nothing was a safe lead, and that's sort of the problem with this season. And that's not to, like, dig on the defense. That's just saying the way the season has gone, you know, that something's going to happen, something's going to give up, and just not, you know. I mean, even the kicker had a great game the game before, and Joseph, you know, missed a – what would essentially be a very long field goal, but these extra points that start killing you after a while. I mean, I think the game before we were chasing a missed field goal most of the game. So, mm. you know, those are the things that just kind of stick out. Just like, well, you know, and now we've got our friend Akeem Hicks coming along and uh what he can do to this. I mean, we're going to put Bradbury out there again. I mean, what have we learned throughout the year, you know, with, with Bradbury and, you know, I don't know if, if Darisaw is going to be back. Like you said, there's a good hope since we've got this long break and you can kind of re-put your line back to what it was and put Cole in there in the middle. But, you know, it's still Hicks, man. It's still this Bears defense. And uh this is kind of our litmus test, Chris, and on this podcast. is like, how are we going to deal with this line? And this line eats us up every year, and I think there'll be more of the same. You know, but the change in, you know, with Dersaw, with Cole, I think you have a chance to be a little bit more stout against them. Yeah, and I did, I forgot that I got a message last week or maybe, yeah, I think it was when I was reading those Jefferson stats. That's why I kind of, uh, you know, talked it back. But, I mean, here are the facts, okay? Since 2020, that's when Justin Jefferson got in the league, and we're looking at 25-yard reception. He has 27 of them. You put Diggs and Thielen combined, they have 25. I'm just reading out factual stuff. We loved Diggs, clearly. I mean, yes. In this offense, like you said, this offense, uh, we talked about it. We documented it basically since last year. Um, it's just the whatever, game, week nine or some shit like that after the bye. There's actually, they've put up um, – 19 times they've gone over 20, 27 points or more in that time frame. I think from week nine was the stat last year. Only the Tampa Bay Bucks have done that. They've, and we've tied it. Both have, have had 19 different times they put up 27 points. Um, so definitely the offense has, has, has been, you know, we had those bumpy weeks or whatever, but. We'll see, like you said, with Chicago. And these tight games, here's another one, dude. These tight damn games, eight, we, we, we maneuvered it to eight now um, because, you know, this eight-point win that they got. But the NFL record for most games in a season decided by eight or fewer points uh, is 14 games. That's the 94 Giants and the 2015 Ravens. We have 12. The 14 is the record. Uh, the, the Vikings record and I kind of forgot how tight the games were back then, is actually 13, um, and that was back in 1999 between the conference finals went on. We got eventually ran off the field by the Rams. They went and won the Super Bowl. But um, going into this year, uh, you know, Vikings games coming up. Now, oh, boy, that we hate. You just mentioned his name. I almost don't like it. It's like haunting just to mention his name. Now, here's the kicker. 
he didn't he's been hurt. He got he played a couple of games, got hurt, came back, looked strong. Then he's messed up his ankle pretty good and he's been out for a while. He didn't play last night um in Green Bay, but here we go. We got a week now. So you know. You know what that means. He's coming back. He'll be on the field. Good old D tackle. We don't have to worry about the linebacker this year because he ain't coming back. But and, and like I said, I'm, I'm I don't want to say their names because like I don't know if I'll sleep tonight. But yeah, heading into this, at, you know, last year we actually finally got off the Schneid and beat Chicago at Chicago, and we did it mostly passing because remember in the fourth quarter once oh boy left the field. I th- what was it like sixty some odd yards that Cook got in that time frame? Um, so yeah, that that's a big deal. Now heading into this game, the uh, Las Vegas has us a three and a half point favorite on the road. Over under is set at forty four. No surprise there. Clearly, the biggest issue, you know, they can run the ball, Chicago, with the running back and obviously with the with the quarterback. But they do. I mean, they're 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 just shy of 18 points. So their their offense has been struggling majorly. In of late defense, it's basically 25.6. The Vikes give up. The Bears give up 25.5. So they they haven't been playing Bears defense per se. But like you said, it doesn't take much to flip that. Neither team. We give up almost 130 on the ground. They give up 120. Um, you know, so. It's a pretty equally matched game like it always is. Chicago, kind of like us, they got off to this big lead last night, ended up losing 45-30. to 30. But looking at the game time weather, it's going to be a night game. Game time weather, 28 degrees at night. So who knows, maybe the wind will pick up. Um, what's your gut telling you about this game here? You know, they I don't know. It's always been, like you said, the Chicago measuring stick. Um, sure, their defense isn't what it is, but as you said, even this last week with the Steelers, you don't need this all-star, you know, defense and, and all these all-star players uh, to find a way to, you know, get a tackle for loss or get pressure on our quarterback. Well, you know, my gut says the Bears stink, but unfortunately, they stink in areas that really don't concern me all that much. They're good on the defensive line, and they're good at quarterback, particularly for what seems to hurt us, and that's running quarterbacks. Now, last year they had Trubisky, and we had our problems with him. Now, you know, times his running ability by 10, and throw, you know, throw in Justin Fields and still able to throw. Um, it just, you know, it's one of those things where you go, well, if we can just do this, you know, then, you know, we can stop. We can stop fields. We stop the run. Yeah, okay, that's great. But then what depends on what you have to do to stop the run. And, you know, fields can throw the ball. Don't get me wrong now. He, didn't, he did that a lot in college. You know, Nagy's crafty enough to devise a plan to get him in space and do some other things that just seem to drive us crazy. Now, I think we win this game. I don't know why. I, I think it's because I think overall our starters are better and somehow that will even itself out. But, you know, they've got a couple decent tight ends there. They're able to run the football. If they can run the football and eat the clock on us, I mean, they can definitely be in this game and probably win it. So I don't want to get too haughty about it. But I just think, you know, Cousins, Jefferson, hopefully get Thielen back. 
you know, that seemed to kind that's of. That's a must, man. Yeah, that sort of balanced the scales out a little bit in our favor last year, and I think it'll do it again. Um, but, you know, that's, that's 50-50 for me. I think it could go the other way as well, where we just can't run the football and we can't stop their run. And that's always a recipe for a disaster. But I'll go Vikings by three or six. But if you, if you're going to pin me down, I'd say probably by six. Uh, and it'll be a tough game, a lot of running. I think, I think the wind will pick up. It will be cold. And, uh, you know, just kind of one of those games where it's a grind out thing and just something like 14, three, 14, six, 14, seven, 14, eight, something like that. Just a low scoring grind out cold weather game is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that sounds about right. I'm actually looking at. Um, the injury report, it's not, yeah, Fields is, he's got a bruised hand, but it is his non-throwing hand. So, I mean, that, 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 you know, that he'll probably play. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll probably play, I'd, I'd assume. And I have it a little funky score as well. One thing this year, the, the trends have been really funny. Like, I, I, seriously, they really have. Like, the win to lose to, win to lose to stuff. Um, you know, has been really weird. And, you know, I should have known last week, I actually mentioned it, the win two, lose two thing last week, and I should have known they were going to bounce back and not pick against them. But, you know, could have, would have, should have, right? So I am actually picking them. My score is 20, kind of funky, 21 to 18 or 20, 23 to 18. <laughs> That's what the score, um, my score is. Um, but, you know, who knows? Like I said, I, I do think it'll be a, a close-ass game. I think you hit that right on. And, and there's just no way that the the monstrous D-tackle is not going to play. He's been out for a while. He's got a full week. He didn't play this week. He's like, oh, Minnesota? Bradbury? Oh, yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing this week. I don't even need to be full strength. So that is going to be funky, but... You know, the fact that we do bring in kind of a college look beyond goal line stuff, that sixth offensive line, you know, without Irv Smith, I think that's a good call. He got on the field 17 times, I think it was, 12 times. So we're going to need more of that. I think that, you know, it is going to be a grinded out game. I remember the third downs last year was just crazy, like third and 12, third and eight, third and seven. Like we – that was such a key to the game was those third down conversions that it probably will. So I got a 23 to 18 and they keep that two and two, get back, back to 500 type stuff. Uh, once again, and, and you know, the playoff pitcher is still lingering, but just like it has been all year, it's really just us, you know, it, it's the vice that's that you got to worry about, you know, the big number now is with there's four games left is three and one. Three and one, nine and eight, you're in. You're going to be in at that point. Um, and next week they got a really tough game, or the week after, I should say, not next week, the, the Rams. And they're right on the cusp of, you know, they started out really well, kind of looked funky lately. They actually are got a game going on right now. I'm going to check out the second half. But um, these are the games that you got to win. You know, we're favored on the road. Just get it done here. You know what I mean? We we got to get it done, and, and then we'll take yeah. it week by week after. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, you gotta, this is it. This is, this is, you know, coming down the stretch of the season and this is what you gotta do. And I think, you know, you've got a good chance if you can find a way to consistently get Cook going. You know, that's what oh. you're gonna need this time of year is just get him, you know, his carries and make them effective. And then everything can kind of feed off of that. And that's been a problem this year, just with the line and with everything else. And, you know, that's a trench war coming up and we haven't done well in it. Uh, either, you know, Chicago here or Chicago there. That's the trench war of the, of the, of the season usually. And, you know, it'd be nice if we come out on the, on the top of that and actually, you know, get a win out of it again. And, uh, you know, that will help us cement a place in the, in the division. But I, I just don't, you know, it's, it all depends on which line we suit up, Chris. If you go Derisock, Cleveland, uh, Cole, uh, probably Udo and, and, uh, O'Neill, that's a line I like. But if you're go, still going Udo, Cleveland, Bradbury, you know, Cole, and then O'Neill, I'm, I just don't like that line all that much. And mostly that's just because Bradbury's in there. And, you know, if you put him in there, he's right on his nose is going to be Akeem Hicks and there's nothing you can do about it. And he's going to be in Cousins' lap all day. So it's going to be screen passes and so on. And it's just like, you know what? Cook will get stopped in the backfield and then this line will be, they won't talk back to Hicks and he'll just rule again. And then you got to use Thielen and Jefferson to try to win the game like we did last year. And, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. So you got to be able to get Cook going. This line's got to be able to move some people. If they can do that, I like their chances here. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but you know, the way the season's going, it could end up being a 35, 32 game at this point. I mean, you just don't it's know. True. The way I see Good it is point. a grind-out game, grind-out cold game, you know, 17 points will be the high score there, and and you just kind of want to grind it out, eat the clock on both sides. And, you know, I think we can stop the run, their run fairly well, but you know damn well they can stop ours. Just a couple of players inside can do that. So let's hope we get a, a handle on that. Yeah, and um, special teams is something to look at. Because uh, last night, like our guy, you know, we got two, uh, the rookies got two different kickoff returns. Well, there was a kickoff return last night. So that's something, not just, when I say special teams, you automatically go field goal. Of course, that's just kind of there, right? But we got to watch out on both sides of this. And like I said, D.D. Westbrook, I mentioned him, his punt returns have been pretty damn key. And it's going off that line. Derisaw on the left, I would be okay as long as we just keep Cole in the game. I'd rather have Bradbury Cole than Bradbury Udo. Or, you know, Cole Udo, I don't know. To be honest with you, I'd probably go Bradbury and, and, and Cole. I would like to see Udo out of there. But uh, but I know what you're saying in, in general. Just having Derisaw and Cole on the line uh, has clearly made a difference. We, we've seen it firsthand and, you know, that's our best bet in this, you know, part of the year. Um, but it is what it is. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we get those guys back, man. If we could get Derisaw and Thielen back, that would be a big, big boost. And the way it is, I mean, you know, the time frame, maybe Thielen won't be 100%, but even a decoy and even being able to run a, a route in the, in the red zone would really help us as a decoy, whatever. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, on to some gopher news. We now, I think we talked about it last week that we brought the old coordinator back. We now have the full Italiano 
offense and defensive coach, uh, coordinator, I should say. So that's nice. Uh, Rossi did um, pick up an extension for three or four years. I think it's 2024, and he that's a well-deserved extension, no doubt about it. I, I love that. And, and, you know, Tanner's got to be feeling pretty good having, the, you know, the coach back who really helped him a lot and, and helped develop him. And, and, you know, clearly now we have another, you know, uh, Autumn Bell back too as well. And and now we got the damn center back too who has seven names, um, you know, Michael Schmitz, which I was thinking, man, I mean, right now we have a guard that's lingering uh, in Blake Andres or whatever, Andres, that's the one that we don't know about. He hasn't said he's going pro, but we don't know about that one. We know how our guards tend to fall in the draft, looking at it selfishly, of course. So who knows? Maybe if it says, well, anywhere from round three to six, maybe he'll come back. But a lot of good news as far as returning players, Aaron, and also some uh, recruiting news as well. Yeah, I mean, you like the fact that you get – possibly two linemen back, but for sure one. And then, you know, Amon Bell was a surprise to me. I thought for sure he was going to come out. And then, you know, Tanner, a lot of people sick of him at this point, but, you know, that'll be another another year for him. So you'll have a little stability at quarterback. Shiraka being back, like you said, will help out a little bit. Um, you know, maybe balance the offense a little bit more is probably the key there. And then, you know, Defensively, you pretty much get almost everybody back. We're pretty young defensively, but um, I think you lose the the Clemson kid and uh, somebody else. But uh, they rotated well, we out so our well. Gonna lose yeah, both we do our that. Too. But you know, we rotate out so much that it's just kind of nice to see that rotation going and younger players getting in there and kind of just keeps things consistent defensively and. Uh, recruiting wise, I mean, I saw a little bit today, a lot of names and I can't pretend to like I've, you know, done any research on any of them, but I, just knowing the positions more, there's a lot of defensive ends there. There was a corner that transferred in from the same place we got the linebacker from. Abilene Christian, I think is where he came from. And then, uh, so you knew you need a little help at the corner because you lose Durr and you're going to have Wally there probably for the next few years. So it would be nice to have that, but it's just kind of good to see, like, the, the cupboard get full again. And you don't, like, we talked a little bit off air, you're not going to see some. The way this program's building, you won't see some, unless there's a Wally in there or a or just a kid that shines, you won't see some of these kids that are coming in for a while. But it's nice to know they're there, and then, you know, they'll emerge. Like, we'll see next year guys that we didn't know who they were, and they just keep coming in and making plays. And I guess that's kind of how college football programs, I should say successful college football programs work. But, you know, we're so used to it here that you just see the freshmen because you got nobody in front of them that's as talented. And, you know, Flex says you've got to out-recruit yourself. And I think he's done pretty decently doing that. But he also has the thing where it's got to be a fit, you know. And sure. I think that kind of maybe – holds him back a little bit in recruiting, but also in the long run probably helps the program over over time. Yeah, I mean, beyond Brewster, he's been, and that was just one year of recruiting that he got that top 25 class, but he's been our best recruiter hands down, uh, you know, since they have been keeping track of this stuff. So he's definitely done a hell of a job. So that's, so with that out of Bell News, 
Tanner Morgan has five of his top five pass catchers back. Um, and that Hayden Schwartz, right? We, you know, the coaches can't talk about him until Wednesday, but we can talk about him. Uh, 6'4 defensive end from, I believe, from Florida. And um, Michigan, Penn State, and Miami were after this kid. So, um, you know, got a, a O tackle as well. Um, you're right, though. I think maybe that transfer, Ryan Stapp, he might play. But other than that, a lot of these guys, I think Mississippi State, Nebraska, Washington State, some other uh, folks are trying to get him as well. But I think you're right there. So basically, just looking at that line, that Alex Rushmeyer, who actually came up strong this year, he's back uh, already. We knew that. Uh, Michael Schmitz. And that Carter Shaw, who also played off the bench and played in those big lineups. Um, And he's uh, from Utah State. He still has two years uh, eligibility. So he's like already a starter in a, you know, a group of five, not power five. And that's why he came here because he wanted to play in a power five, the big 10. So Carter Shaw has a lot of playing time underneath his belt in college football and looked pretty good, you know, coming in. So three right now, three out of the six that would be, you know, playing a lot are guys that have experience. And man, if they could somehow bring back that other one, that, 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 Blake, that would be big. But either way, it's nice not to just drop our, you know, five starters or four out of five starters. So things are looking up, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, D-tackle will be something that they're going to probably at least sign one transfer, I assume. There was this guy from Duke who was a sophomore coming up or coming out uh, that they offered. can't remember the other guy they offered, but look for a D-tackle, if not two. Um, you know, just for depth and whatnot. Any final words, sir, before we uh, shut this uh, podcast down? No, it'd be nice to see Chicago finally uh, this season. I mean, it's been what, what we thirteen or something like that. I mean, we haven't seen them at That's all, true. so we haven't we hadn't get to do our obligatory uh, Chicago <laughs> check. You know, to see the state of the team, we usually get a good mid-season one to see what's going on. But you know, we'll see how we stack up this year. I, it's just one of those things that, you know, it should be an easy win, but it's, it's, it's never is. Never easy. Never easy at all. It's still a, a tough game that came down to it last year. And if they go ahead and win this one, then the next one's at home. And it's, I was going to say week 17, but that'd be week 18. And we know that they tend to rest players on the last, you know, if you've got them to play for. So. We'll see how it goes. It was a good little stretch here for Minnesota. In general, we got the Vikes getting the win, ugly, but got the win. The Minnesota Gopher basketball, which, you know, once the Vikings over, we go to Timberwolves and Gopher basketball, the living in Loserville. So make sure you stay with us on that. But they got a big win uh, at Michigan. You know, it's been since 2011 since that happened. And then last night, Back to our full-strength starting lineup that we figured out because d came back and we got Pat back now. Um, they got a nice win at Portland. That hasn't been since 2014. Every time the Wolves win on the road, it's like, okay, so when, when was the last time that happened? So we got some good vibes going on. Knock on wood. We'll be back. We're still going to try to figure out what we're going to do that night uh, because it is a Monday night game. So we'll be back next week, though. Enjoy your week. 
Go Vikes. Peace.